Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the UK One Off podcast. I'm Neil Phillips and we have with us today, Vic's still having a little bit of a break, but today we have a special guest host. Now today's subject is bee flies and I thought long and hard, well not really long and hard, about four <laughs> microseconds, I thought, oh I wonder if Erica would do it. And we have Erica. Hello Erica. Hello. All right. This uh, For those that haven't listened to episode uh, 26 and haven't been listened to the various places you've turned up, Erica, you've done a few podcasts now, haven't you? Um, yeah. She is what is described as, by Nick Baker, uh, the best thing that ever happened to flies, which I think is a rather <laughs> good summary. Um, but would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Dr. Erica McAllister, and I am one of the senior curators of Flies and Fleas at the Natural History Museum in London. Oh, I saw um, fleas are not in the flies anymore, are they? Or there was some debate anyway. Fleas were never in the flies. It was the relationship between fleas and flies that was the thing. So we're now beginning to understand more about the higher phylogenies of what's going on properly. Mm. So fleas use their legs to fly, as Miriam Mm. Rothschild says, which is a nice way of linking the pair of them. I like that. Yeah, because they're closer to scorpion flies. Did I? I they're all three of those are closely related. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're cool. in the yeah, all very cool, all in Antlionomorpha. So that little grouping of flies, fleas, and scorpion flies, really cool. good looking species of insects. Yeah, I won't start the um yeah, <laughs> the thing about Odonata <laughs> again. We'll start. We'll, we'll, we'll try to keep away from that rivalry today. We're going to go straight on to our sighting. So, Erica, as the guest host. You get to say your sightings first. So have you seen anything interesting recently? Well, um, it's theoretically spring. And um, although um, everyone else is going to be talking, seeing what I'm talking about today, what I've got in my garden now is the arrival of the marmalade hoverfly, Episurphus boltiatus, and the drone uh, hoverfly. So the Aristalis group. So the 10X is probably the one everyone's come across. So really, really important hoverflies that have started turning up. So very, very pleased to see those. You, like me, you haven't seen your first sign of spring, have you? No. No, which is the <laughs> subject of today's podcast. I, <laughs> not that I'm angry. I'm just no. becoming rather angry. It's fine. Yeah. I'll get over it. Yeah, cheeky things. Um, yes. I was expecting to see one by now, though the weather has been a bit pants when I've been outside most days. Um, yes, it's true. In terms of my sightings, my frog spawn count is going up. I'm up to 11. They, keep, they just keep spawning. My, I think they're finished and then they come back a few days later and spawn again. Crazy amphibians. So I'm going to have a pond full of tadpoles, even though I've already got some tadpoles from last year. Still in there. It's going to be mad in there. Um, I went to a local wood to film some wood ants last week. I was sitting there filming wood ants, which are among the most awesome of all creatures. And I heard a rustle in the bushes to my left and thought, oh, someone's dog's on the loose, I guess. It wasn't. It was a hare that decided to trot right in front of me because I was crouched behind a bit of bramble and the wood ant's nest and not moving. It didn't really notice me. It walked right past me. came within about three metres of me at one point, stopped about five, six metres away. I've got a camera in my hand, but I set up filming wood ants. <laughs> and my other camera resting it on my bag which had my camera which was perfect for photographing it in <laughs> I didn't get a picture unfortunately or nothing good anyway but amazing when I when I do field work and generally so when I'm in a tropical country or whatever and there's usually someone who looks at vertebrates with me yeah. and um, so they're either looking I don't know for snakes or birds and whatever and because I'm doing exactly what you're doing I'm standing still I'm trying to look at the tiniest things more often than not 
a huge thing comes in my way without me realizing it. So I've like trod on a boa constrictor. I've 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 had a tersia pillow attack me. I've you know a cape cobra. I've been run up by a brown snake. You name it, me and snakes in these because I I you know I'm I'm small and I'm staying still and suddenly it's like oh and mm. all the herpetologists are like oh my god why and I'm like I know. <laughs> It was just there. <laughs> that, that's that's wildlife always, isn't it? When you're looking for one thing, you find another. Always happens, doesn't it? Best to be an entomologist, I think, is the life lesson there. That's true, actually, yeah. Uh, if I have to pick one area, uh, that is the one I tend to lean towards now. Uh, it tends to be more mm. freshwater entomology for me, doesn't it, I suppose? And I just lump the amphibians in with it. I leave the fish out, yeah. kind of fish in there. But amphibians are cool, and maybe, maybe a grass snake or something. They can go in my freshwater entomology. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes. oh, so let's get on to the main topic. The topic I managed to lure you back onto the podcast with, which is the wonderful bee flies. Mm. If you had to pick a favourite fly, would it would it be them? Do you reckon, Erica? They're they're in my top five. Yeah, I, I you know you I can't pick because that would be wrong to them and they'll get upset. Yeah. But they're definitely up there and they do make me squeal. They are cool. They yeah. they are cute. Yeah, the, 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 I'd hate to use that word as a seasoned, hardened naturalist stroke entomologist. I or cute. Accept the word. Accept the word. It is appropriate. They're cute. Yes, and and I hate to admit it because you know all these mammals people say cute. The only one that really qualifies is water voles. These are kind of like water voles with wings. Yeah, actually, do you know, I'll just fall out. They are the water voles yeah. with wings and a big straw exactly. in the mouth. Exactly. <laughs> There we go. So if you haven't seen a bee fly, you now know that. There we go. Like. Yeah. <laughs> they're not that different in colour, actually. They're about the colour no, of a power. No, water exactly. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. There we go. <laughs> oh, we can finish the podcast there then. See you later, everybody. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. We're going to get into bee flies. They look cute and fluffy, but they've actually got some rather interesting methods of life. Methods of life? That's a really weird, weird way of putting it. Um, Lifestyle. Oh god, the, the thesaurus in my head appears to have shut down. Again. Strategies, maybe. There we go. Yeah. So this is the, why you're the doctor yeah. and I'm just the master's <laughs> person, right? So uh, before we start, um, I better quote the main sources for most information are um, the Dipterist uh, Forum website, um, Stephen Falk's excellent, amazing, brilliant Flickr page, um, mm-hmm. which if you want to find pictures of a British insect. Just head there. It's got all the information with it as well. A really good reference. And the BRC Soldier Flies and Allies page is a good one as well. Yeah. Um, but yes, so bee flies. Well, we've mentioned the cute and fluffiness already, and they are cute and fluffy. Best known, probably the most seen, is the large or dark-edged bee fly, Bombylus major. Is that correct? correctly? Yeah, Bombylus major. Yahoo! See, you even got someone chicken on I me mean, I did it right. Um <laughs> Uh, the typical features of this subfamily. So the bee flies, we're going to refer to the Bombillinae. Yeah, most. so you, you've got several subfamilies in the yeah. UK and the yeah. Bombillinae are the Bombillious ones, the, yeah. the adorable ones. So think, like we said, lightish brown, fuzzy, furry, uh, long black proboscis, yeah, like a straw-like mouth that sticks out. So you, some of you might be familiar with butterflies have this long straw-like mouth, but that rolls up. But in the bee flies, it sticks out like a jouster when he's running on his horse, like that. Now, this is used, this really long straw-like mouth, to feed on flowers. And a lot of these insects, it's to reach into the deep flowers that have a very deep shape, so you can't reach the nectar without a long tongue. But they also use it on all flowers, so they can hover while they are feeding, which is 
Probably fairly unique among insects, isn't it, Erica? Not many would do that apart from homebird hawk moths, I imagine. They're, no, no, I mean, there are a few groups of flies mm. that do it, but these are definitely... And they're really... Have you seen them actually doing it? So they would stabilise... Oh, yeah. yeah, where they stabilise themselves with their first pair of legs. Oh, yes, yes. So, yes, so they will have it like that. So it's like they position themselves before they zoom in. Mm. And it's a really effective way of feeding, and it avoids predation as well. Uh, some have been described as flower thieves. Um, now that's an addition. I should point out that I wrote lots of notes on this, and Erica has gone through and corrected all my mistakes <laughs> that I made. And and this is one of them. So do you want to explain the flower thieves? Well, because not all of them do mm. that lovely thing of inserting their long proboscis down the neck of the mm. flower to help pollinate the flower. You know that's why it's doing that. It's like here, spread the pollen. Because some of them just stab through the base <gasps> of the flower. <laughs> That's like those hummingbirds do, isn't it? Yes, it's yeah. sneaky behaviour. I love it Ooh. when nature gets all a bit sneaky. Oh, me too. So, yeah, hence why some of them have been called flower thieves. Oh, there we go. On, on the flip side, say so sometimes when they're not robbing the flower, they will get pollen on that furriness. And they do eat some of it as well and spread it between mm. the flowers. So they're actually really important pollinators from yeah. this sort of time of year. Because there's not that many. Like we've, we've mentioned the Aristalis and a few hoverflies and the bumblebees, but... Other than that, and maybe some of the solitary bees that we'll mention a bit later, um, that, you know, there's not that many insects on the wing this time of year compared to much later, so they're important at this time of year. We're beginning to actually do a lot more research on the whole family as pollinators, and yeah. they they are we're realising they're a lot more important than we thought. Yeah, because everyone talks about blooming honeybees, ah. um, when it actually turns out that flies and other bees and even wasps are very important pollinators. So, yeah. Uh, and beetles. Everyone always forgets poor beetles. Poor old beetles. Moths. Where people moths. forget about nocturnal yeah. pollinators. Yeah. And that's a huge group of pollinators. It's like when we're asleep, the insects are still working. Us humans slacking off. Apart from night, people work night shifts. Well done, you guys. Um, but <laughs> people like me sit and <laughs> laying in my bed, being lazy. So did, uh, there's various things, Erica, about them imitating bees. Is, is this yeah. been proven or...? Well, so this whole, is this mimicry, Batesian mimicry, yeah. whereas, uh, you know, if it it looks like something that's harder than it is to protect yeah. it. Now, that's probably true in some way, but also because of what they do, they, they, they want pollen. Yeah. And so generally the pollinators are slightly more hairy. So yeah. there could be just a, a bit of, you know, convergent evolution going on, a bit of mimicry going on, a bit of defence, all sorts of things. Yeah, because to, to us, they don't really look like, or they look like bees. But if you know what a bumblebee looks like, they don't match the colours of any bumblebee that I can think of. Maybe a bit like a carder bee, but they tend to fly later in the year, I suppose, mainly. But yeah, but they buzz like a bee, which would probably be enough to put off most predators, I imagine. We got an inquiry into work and they described them as fluffy flying narwhals, <gasps> which is still the best description I've ever heard for an insect ever. <laughs> That is brilliant. I might have yeah. to try and remember that one. That is rather excellent. Yes, that's going in the data bank when I'm teaching the kids. Ah, oh, there's a flying narwhal. Exactly. <laughs> That'll get them. That'll get them. Or a unicorn, maybe. Yeah. Right, that'll get my daughter. She loves her unicorns. Ah, oh, narwhals and unicorns are the same thing. So here we go. Yeah. And they're, also, they're related to a couple of interesting groups, aren't they, Erica? I'm going to let you pronounce the scientific name. Yeah. So they're in the superfamily Acyloidea. So they're related to the the very amazing venomous rubber flies, Acillidae, mm. and, uh, which we, we have we have history with that. Yeah. And uh, the stiletto flies, uh, so the Theruvids. 
And the Thruvids, basically, I describe them as the hipsters because they've got amazing beards. They're really quite wonderful species to go around. And we've got quite a few of these in the UK as well to get out and see. Are they the ones that stand on the water? Like a, like a stagnant puddle? Is that stiletto flies or am I thinking of another one? There's ragionids, which are the upside downward ones, and they, they kind of associate. And the atheroceridae, water snipe flies, they're the mm. ones who hang around water. Yeah, and they, and they get groups of them, and they look all iridescent rather lovely. Now, now Erica's going to run through the life cycle of, of the lovely bee flies, which is where they start to get, well, they're quite lovely, but this is where they get really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this is genuinely one of the things I love about them. So although they look really cute and fluffy, <laughs> their nature um, tends towards the dark side, as I call it, because their larvae are parasitoids. I mean, some of them are predators, but the majority of them are parasitoids. And a parasitoid is a parasite which ultimately ends with the death of its host. So there's nothing nice coming out of the end of this for the host. It's not like they nibble off a feet and then they can leave them. And what the bee flies in the UK, a lot of them are parasitoids of bees and wasps, the Hymenoptera. But they do like some other insects. They do other species as well. And some species have been known to predate on egg masses of spiders. So it's a nice way of the flies getting back at the spiders again. Now, the female is amazing because she um, twerks. There's, yep, mm. She has got a little brood pouch, a sand pouch on her abdomen. And so she twerks, she scoops up some sand, some gravel, and she uses this to coat the eggs. So these eggs are now, it's really good protection for them. And they're lightly coloured, so they're camouflaged. So they're not going to be predated upon. And, you know, there's a slight extra weight. I mean, we're not sure whether this is helps with direction or not. Those are the three things that it does. And she flies over to the solitary bee nests on the ground. And this is why I love them, because it's like, yes, mm. bees. It, the thing is, they larvae eat baby bees. <laughs> so mm. everybody hates them for that. And she flicks her eggs. She's got on her oviposter, her egg-laying tube, she's got a spine and she flicks them out which is quite hardcore for a mother, if you ask me. Just, yeah, flick them around. Then the eggs will hatch, hopefully near or in the nest, uh, in the entrance of this bee. And this is where it gets fun. They have a first stage, the first larval stage, which is a bit like your toddler. It's really active. In fact, most flies, their larvae don't have legs. Uh, these have false legs, as this stage, called uh, pseudopods. And they will kind of quickly enter the the burrows of these bees and they have been known to stuff their faces with all with all the um, pollen that has been there for the bees to feed on so they're like excellent and then they go for a second metamorphosis and we call this hypermetamorphosis which is pretty uncommon amongst most insects and they turn from this really active toddler to this massively gross enormous kind of teenage slobbing stage and it's this bit that then starts feeding either on or in the bee grubs so this is where it becomes either the parasite or parasitoid or a predator it's a bit hard to know what's going on in the burrows which is amazing because very few insects do that so the female's great um she she can undergo like when she's firing off these eggs she generally does one at a time but sometimes they do what's called bombing um, just think of like carpet bombing here. <laughs> this is what she's doing with her eggs. She's just like firing off a row of them. It's great. I love it. Your garden is just like a war zone. She has to do all of this whilst the bee is out. 
And what she's also got is she's in competition with several other species of other fly that's trying to get in there and parasitise the larvae as well. It's just like carnage and mayhem. Just spend a morning watching this. I, this is why I was always late for work because I kept watching these. So you have oh, this I, amazing... I've watched it as well. It's brilliant to watch. It, it really is. And um, I'm quite, you know, one of the few things I'm grateful about lockdown is that I can legitimately stay in my garden and watch these things happening because it is quite fantastic. And a lot of them will overwinter when they pupate. And then the following spring is you get this emergence of the earliest, like I think they're one of the earliest indicators of spring with this uh, Bombylius major. But you've got the other species found in the UK at various different times of the year. So they're yeah. brilliant. So we've it's ten species in the UK, isn't it? Well, but we had a quick discussion about this before the yeah. podcast because it's a bit up in the air, isn't it? There's one on Jersey, one on which Jersey. makes it eleven if you count it. Yeah, because yeah, it's not mainland UK, so you know we'll wait and see. I mean, we're, we're it, does, it doesn't pay tax in the UK. Put it that way. No, no, it's <laughs> the it's Jimmy Car. It's the Jimmy Car of the bee flies. Yeah. <laughs> Poor old Jimmy Car. Oh. I know. Sorry. <laughs> Never mind. Yes. But um, I, I believe uh, I, I decided that I better let Erica go through the uh, the four bombylus species in the UK since they're her favourites. So, we, sadly, I've only ever seen one of them. So, in my garden, mm. I've got the dark edge bee fly bombylus major, and this is the most common. Uh, it is found throughout the UK, and it comes out really early in spring. We've had them already this year. There's been quite a lot of sightings. In fact, I just checked earlier. We've had them up in Nottingham now. So well, they are coming out now. I mean, I still haven't seen them, but we have the bee fly watch specifically designed to kind of look for this species here and, and record it. They're generally out at March, April, come to May, and they're quite easily because they have like stealth wings, these delta-shaped triangular wings with a, a broad black edge, dark markings along the front of the wing. They've got a distinctive shape and generally when they're resting, so they will rest on a wall or a hedge and they generally point upwards. So you can see them like lined up, these little stealth bombers all over the place when they're lined up, which is quite cool. And the other three genera, uh, species within the Bombylius genera, is the dotted bee fly, Discola. This is a small species. Obviously, it's got dots on the wings. See what we've done there. This is found in southern England and Wales, and it emerges slightly later. And this one, we believe, just parasitizes the solitary bees, the Andrina species, things like that, the larger ones. The western bee flies, guess where they're found? South Wales and southwest of England. I do love common names. So this is Bombylius canescens. This doesn't have the dark edges or doesn't have the spots on their wings. The thing is, with all these three species I'm just about to talk about, we don't really know much about their ecology, and this is where we're asking for everyone to help us to take observations and do this. Because we believe these ones flick their eggs over the burrows. We know a little bit about them more, but that's about it. And then probably the rarest one out of the three is the heath bee fly, Bombylius minor. Again, you can tell by its name, it's quite a small one. And this is really rare. It's found in Dorset and sandy areas and on the Isle of Man, which is kind of like... Hold on a minute. That's quite a way away from Dorset. So I presume there was a range restriction brought about a uh, loss of habitat. Yeah, when you do get that in insects, I think the uh, brilliant emerald dragonfly is another example of that. Mm. It's in Surrey and around there and the highlands of Scotland. <laughs> you can't really get too much different than that, but there we go. Yeah, yeah but there, there's a few other 
well, unless it's called less typical bee flies, not what the sort of what you'd think was a bee fly necessarily. There's the flea bee fly, which is a tiny, skinny little bee fly. It's not as hairy, but it still has the really long uh, proboscis yeah. mouth parts. Uh, it's fairly widely recorded on sandy coastal areas. Can be locally abundant. So sort of, sort of, sort of sandy dunes. So that's a, that's 25 sites, I think, was the number I saw somewhere. Yeah. And this is a, a very summery one, isn't it? So it's June and August. And it seems to like the hawkweed flowers. So that's something to look out for. And the larvae are parasitoids. It, they're of caterpillars of micromoths. So these are the tiny little moths uh, you get flying around. Clothes moths are an example of that, which is probably the least popular moth going, but there we go. But they, they're pretty sure it uses other hosts as well. And another one, which is one that Erica is quite keen to see, and I have seen. Uh, another one, another fly I've seen on Thursday you want to see, and I have yeah. and you haven't, Erica, isn't it? So maybe we'll have to sort yeah. that out this summer. It's the mottled bee fly, which scientific name is, let's have a go at it, Phyron pharynx fenestrus. Is that right? Uh, okay. No, no so no. Thidiramphax uh, fenestratus. Oh, it's anthrax, yeah. Oh, they say. Yeah, it's the anthrax. It's me. one of the anthracenes, yeah. What you were saying about the colours of uh, hawkweed, all of the bee flies tend to specifically like certain colours. Mm. So purples, violets, blues and whites. They're, they're generally on those sorts. So they don't like the yellow flowers or the pinky flowers as much. They're mm. quite, they're, you know, they, they just don't want those colours. So, yeah, all of those nice colours they like. That's interesting. Now, I mean, I have seen them on down line, so that's probably because that's all it's about when... <laughs> when I've been seeing them in those places. And now I know this with the hoverflies, and I'm not sure with the other flies, it's that they're born to like yellow yeah. and they adjust their liking. Ooh, uh, interesting. Yeah, which is quite weird. I don't know if it's just the hoverflies, but it's there is a built-in thing with some flies. It's got to be all the flies, I guess. We just don't know enough about them. We need more funding for fly research. <laughs> yes. And have you noticed this one is um, 3D anthrax as well as from Dorset? Basically, oh. I have to move to Dorset because yeah. that's where a lot of these flies are found. That is true, and 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 there's some good dragonflies there as well. So I think and <laughs> and raft spiders and tiger beetles and hornet robber flies as well. Yeah, so, Dorset. Yeah, I, Dorset. I think you need an assistant, Erica, especially doing the filming oh, photography. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah. Probably actually knowing my photography. No, uh, yeah, you slag it away. Ain't that bad, Erica? That and that isn't a, a damn faint praise. Not that yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you're comparing. Don't you compare yourself to like Oliver Wright and people like that, which is just a recipe for feeling bad really, about your really photos. Really good. Yes. The first proper tangent. But see, someone actually said to me, the bit I like best about your shows is the tangents. So you know, I've embraced it now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're known for them. That's fine. But yes, back to the model bee fly. So this is quite distinctive. It's got a mottled pattern on its wing. So it's not as small as the fleet bee fly, but it's not as big as the bombalist ones. It only has a short tongue, though, for, well, for a bee fly anyway, <laughs> compared to the others. And it's very much a heathland species and southern heathland. So you're looking at Dorset, New Forest, uh, Surrey, like Firstly Common, where I've seen it. Yeah. Um, West Sussex and places like that. The larvae, this, this I didn't realise, are parasitoids of the heath sand wasp, which you might know as the caterpillar hunting wasp, if it's the one I'm thinking right, because it's yeah. Amiophila pubescens, which I've seen at Fursley as well. So I've seen the host and the uh, thing. That, I don't know if we see any of those wasps when we went, Erica, I can't remember. I, I don't know. I mean, I've seen, but isn't it amazing? You've got a wasp that parasitises spider, and then then its own larvae will be parasitised by this bee fly. So the yeah. parasitoids are parasitoids, which is kind yeah. of, Quite fun, and that's why is that a hyperparasitoid then? 
Uh, it's hyperparasite if it's parasites, isn't it? It all gets confusing. Yes, a secondary parasite, which is, a, it's, it's, this is where it all gets really quite fun and interesting mm. and why we still know so little about our countryside. We keep threatening to do a parasite episode, me and, and Vic, because it's a parasite of a parasite of a parasite of a parasite, I believe. It's just mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. That well, is, 10%, um, 10% of described species are, are parasites. Of all described yep. species are parasites. And that's that's woefully under. Yeah. really is. So, you know, there's there's all sorts of things. It's quite exciting, especially the human ones. Just to make everyone feel a bit icky. But if you want to see the multiple bee flies, basically head to Heathland, look for a gap <laughs> in Heather, and there'll be sunbathing there um, in sort of summer time. Basically, uh, June was when I saw mine, I believe. June, July time. So that's a good time to go look. But Erica's going to cover a group of bee flies I wasn't even aware existed until I did this research. Villas. The, there's a lot of villas around the world, but we have three in the UK. Mm. So there's the Downland Villa, Villa Singulata which is southern central England. It's uh, mainly the Chilterns. Very little known about this. It's quite a rare species. There's the June Villa, which is Villa Modesta. Again, it's it's most widespread of the villas, and it's found from June to September, it's, and it's a coastal June area. And then you've got the Heath Villa. You can see what's going to come next, can't you? This is Villa Venusta. And this is on the Surrey uh, Heathlands, <laughs> although it is very, very rare. Some people say it could be extinct, but oh, it's found in Dorset. See, again, as well as that. So it's quite interesting. Now, these villas, these are quite different because these have uh, in their shape, they kind of look like they've been flattened slightly. And the abdomens are, are, are blunter. They're not as uh, rotund. It's the nice way of putting it. The, the bombilius genera are. So this one's like flat, blunt ending and short mount parts. So they they don't have that little fluffy face that we used to see in with the bombilius genera. And these are parasitoids of Lepidoptera, uh, larvae and pupa, so the caterpillars and pupa. And some of them have, as well as Hymenoptera. You've got to hear about a great video if you look on uh, YouTube, um, I, oh, when I was Googling around trying to find some more on these beasties because I've never heard of them, someone's got a lovely video of it. Yeah, yeah. Like we're talking about with the eggs and the soil twerking, basically rubbing its twerking. bum in the sand. <laughs> trying to get yeah. the, uh, the, the sand well, grains on the eggs. they put in a bag, a sand sack, as it is. And it's kind of like a little kind of donut shaped thing mm. that surrounds the end. It's a bit weird. Um, and when you see them, like they're hoovering yeah. up. It's amazing what one could do with one's genitalia isn't it as they hoover up sand into it it's quite exciting <laughs> sorry oh yeah. dear yes so that's the villas uh, marvellous and oh, then are, oh, there's awesome. the species that I love because it's so bad they named it twice anthrax anthrax which as I have to send flies in the post around oh, the world nice. I have to be very careful with my labels not to put anthrax on the label because I don't think my specimens would make it at all. So this is the anthracite or the black wing bee fly. Now, anthrax is, yes, it's bad in some ways, but it, its name comes from the colour. It's Latin for coal, anthrax. So, because it's really black. And it's, it's a very distinctive looking fly. I, I love it. It's obviously one of the first species that was named. 
because it is like that. And if you have a look up the images of it, most of its wings are black. So if you think about Bombilius Major, it's just the front edge, whereas this one, basically all of the wings, apart from very the base, the bottom bit, and the body is really, it's charcoal black. Basically, it's a goth bee fly, isn't it, really? Yeah, anthrax, anthrax should be a goth, or what do they call them, an emu? I don't know, emo, that's it, emu. Emo, <laughs> no, not an emu, that's <laughs> slightly different. Uh, our database of work is emu, so all I do is talk about emu, sorry. Yeah, so it's, it's that. And this was first turned up in the UK in a Cambridgeshire garden in 2016, which is lovely. But it's now turned up in Canterbury um, uh, in both 2018 and 2019, so it looks good. That looks like it's stabilising there, which is quite nice. And uh, apparently the females are a little bit more fussy, and she will inspect the hole before she uh, shoots her eggs into it, which is, I guess, a little bit more of parental care than some of the other bee flies. Yeah. And they've, they've been seen hanging around red mason bees, haven't they? Which is what I've got in my gardens. I'll be looking very closely <laughs> again this Hoping. spring. I did last spring, but uh, yeah, who knows? Who knows? We know what season. One day, one day. Was it, I think I read somewhere they spread quite well in Europe because of the bee hotels, so... You know, lots yeah, of bee hotels well, in Britain, so they get a foothold, they exactly. quite well. Exactly. Well, because the bee hotels don't, the, isn't it, was the introduced bee that, that is loving them. And so it's quite entertaining that it's not an introduced fly, but it's, mm. a, it's a newly colonised fly is going to the newly colonised bees mm. that are like in the newly colonised hotels. So yeah. <laughs> how much good these are actually doing for the original native populations of various insects? Not quite sure. <laughs> oh, well. A bit like the ladybird hotels full of harlequin ladybirds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oops. Oops, Daisy. Oh. oh oops, well. Daisy. Or the nature reserves full of great white egrets. Oh, they colonise naturally. But there we go. Yeah, so, um, and there's one more. The one we debated, the Jersey resident, is the black cloaked bee fly, which is Henipenthes velatina. You, pronounce, you said that to me about six times before we started, and I still pronounced it wrong, didn't I? Hemi Penthes Valentina. There we go. Oh, you know what? As I as I say, my advice with scientific names, say them fast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep, and then you're allowed. Yeah, yeah. she's confident. Yeah. Yeah. Just be confident when you say it, and then people don't yeah. question it. <laughs> my mum did her first degree in Greek and Latin, oh. and I swear it's just appalled at my, my handling mm. of all of these words. Never mind. <laughs> I fail her. Yeah. Uh, but yes, these guys, also in Jersey, on the dunes in the west there. So quite similar to anthrax, anthrax, actually, isn't it? It's just got shorter wings. Yeah. You can see a little picture of these as well in Steve Falk's Flickr site. Yeah. He's actually got some. Definitely do. Even if you do nothing else, just go check out Steve's Flickr page because it. Just a mm, gem, isn't it? Definitely. Whenever it you ID something, like, oh, I want to see a picture of that, and you Google it, and this page comes up most of the time if you don't remember to go there anyway. Yeah. So I did look around some of the papers. There was a quite a nice one by Panov in 2006. It was in Moscow, but it was with some species, some of which occur here and some which don't. He looked, and the long-tongued and the short-tongued, and I'm talking about the professors again, didn't seem to differentiate how much nectar or pollen they're feeding on and what flowers they fed on too much. But one distinction he did see was the females tended to eat more pollen, um, and that's believed to be because she needs the protein from them to make the eggs, which is rather like, if you listen, I think we mentioned it in the last episode of America, was it about the mosquitoes and horseflies, only the females drink the yeah. bud because they need the protein. Uh, a lady needs to feed. Exactly. There is, you know, there's a biological imperative here. 
she's the one having to sustain and promote life. So she she needs more feeding. That's what I tell everyone anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, pretty accurate, really, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. We did so, have one question as well. Uh, about um, flying. Yeah. So um, so bee flies, are, as we've said, they also can hover. Yeah. And they were asked about accelerating and the hovering and everything. Now, like with most flies, they can accelerate quite quickly. Specifics I'm not sure about. But like all flies, they process images differently to all other insects. Mm. And this is one of the ways that they can actually react faster than most other insects. Because they're able, in, in, in say, your dragonflies... And you know how many individual eye facets there are. There could be like 30,000 eye facets. And say, imagine this as a photo unit. And in most insects, that is one long photo uh, cell. Now, this is originally constructed of eight, maybe nine, maybe seven photo units that have all mashed together. So your dragonflies have got one long one. Mm. Now, flies have separated them. So within each individual uh, omatidium, each individual eye facet, they split it. So they have loads of different images at the same time. So they all go to the brain at once. And so you've got suddenly loads of images. So they've got a greater sense of acuity. So they can see sharper, better. So they, they, suddenly something happens, they're able to see it faster. So hence why when you try a swat fly, mm. they can quickly move. The second reason, they're awesome is because their second pair of wings has now changed into these halters. Now, these halters, they don't measure wind as such because they're too close to the body, but they measure movement of the body. And so when the flies tip, yawn, roll, all these sorts of things, these little stabilising, they're figuring out what's going on. And they keep they keep the wings in time and they're able to tell things faster. So you've got this vision going on, you've got the halters going on. Now, the, the most amazing thing is basically the wings are like gears as well. They can put them in slightly different positions to enable them to suddenly bank and so they can just move quickly. So they can suddenly turn, one wing can turn and one of them, the other one keeps in the same direction. So hoverflies themselves have probably the most... And I'm not sure about bee flies, but hoverflies have the most bendable, manipulable, manipulable, <laughs> man, yeah, malleable. Yeah. They have basically the most flexible wings out, so they're able to contort them really fast, really quickly into many different positions by this kind of gear mechanism at the base of the wings, where they're able to kind of slot them into different. Like we're going to do this, that, and the other. So they have all these different ways that they can suddenly react so fast. Hence why they can react fast. They also use their legs to bounce off the ground. A lot of them will have their muscles already hyper extended in their thorax. So they're just ready to go. So all all of these sorts of things, the better vision, faster neurological responses, everything enables them to dominate the air. Until a dragonfly comes along and eats them. Yeah. Um. (laughs) Well, some, as we know, as we know, Robber flies will take down dragonflies. Just saying. Yeah, but dragonflies eat all the other flies. Um, but yeah. Uh, oh, well, we just said it is that our good again. Yeah. It's a never-ending debate, that'll be, won't it? Except um, you're more qualified. It's true. But, um, you know. <laughs> oh, dear. Right. So, um, I hope that was a question from Seymour654 on Instagram. I didn't ask your question exactly there, um, Seymour. Sorry about that. But... Uh, <laughs> 
I didn't have it right in front of me. I Sorry. thought it was on my notes, but it wasn't. But there we go. So we don't know exact figures for acceleration and stuff, but um, I hope that helps explain why they are so brilliant. <laughs> he yeah. says begrudgingly. <laughs> but yes. Yeah. Uh, no. Well, you won't get me slagging off rubber flies They're and bee flies because they are just brilliant. But, yeah. No, they are amazing. So, Erica, did you want to just explain bee fly yeah. watch, or do you have? Oh, do you have something else? Yeah, I do. So, this is a big plea for everyone to record. So, bee fly watch has been going on for quite a few years now, and just type in bee fly watch, and it will come up, and it will link you to the website. And this is run through the soldier flies and their allies group, which is part of the Diptrus Forum. And there is basically us trying to understand the distribution of these species and how they changed. Also, this year, what we really want to do is pay attention to when the females come out, emerge, and when the males do. And the bee fly watch is generally about the Bombilia species. Now, the good thing about these species is they are sexually dimorphic. Neil, what is it when it's called when the eyes join together in the head? Um, touching. <laughs> you forgot I have of course you? I have <laughs> so it's called holoptic where mm. the eyes join it's just one eye holoptic oh, yeah. and the males have basically just large eyes and they join because he is uh, after mm. her she's not interested so her eyes don't have to be as big because she doesn't have to go and find the opposite sex so it's quite nice and that's what we'd like is people to record what species there are and what sex they are. Yeah, and hopefully some other people can make us both jealous finding some dotted bee flies as well as just the, the large bee yeah. flies. I mean I in, in, in this instance I don't mind yeah. being jealous at all. I think it's for the greater yeah, good. Exactly. So I mean I would just seethe in a mass of anger, mm. but it is great for the bees. Flies. I have been watching them. I, I think there's only the odd record in Essex with dotted bee fly of any. I can't remember the exact. I know I'm right on the edge. I think they're in Kent, so I might just have to keep my eye out a bit more when I'm yeah. further afield. Hopefully, we'll be allowed to do. Uh, hopefully. I think we'll we'll wrap it up there. Erica, thank you so much for coming back on and fulfilling the guest host duties and correcting me and all the and, uh, and making incorrect statements <laughs> about flies being better than dragonflies, but. <laughs> I think we all know yes. the truth. Well, we'll, we'll let the audience decide. I might yeah. put it to a vote. We'll see what people say. Normally, dragonflies would win outright, but with, with you on the flies side, mm, it yeah. might be a bit... Uh, yeah, unique. yeah. But I've, I can't not give you the opportunity to mention your books. So would you like to tell people where they can find them and what they're called? Oh, okay. Uh, two books. One's called The Secret Life of Flies, which is more about the ecology of flies. And one's called The Inside Out of Flies. And that's more about the mechanics and the funky stuff, so your vision, etc. And you can find them at all good booksellers online and the Natural History Museum shop. Yeah, and I believe uh, was it was it last month number one and two in insect books on Amazon, wasn't it? Yeah, that was quite a it was a that lovely was moment. Yeah, I was on a rather more famous podcast that yes. that spiked him, which was cool. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, because you, you, you've been on with... We'll give you a couple of weeks. We'll give you a couple of weeks and then this one will yeah. be like huge. Yeah, well, um, I have to say, um, last time you were on, Eric, I think I might have mentioned this before, but um, there was there's probably the most feedback, and all good, I should mention as well, um, we had on a guest. <laughs> was she say. was brilliant. And again, it was the, the 1980s nightclub reference to a garden that <laughs> caught a lot of people's attention. <laughs> but... Um, 
Well, it is. true. I mean, this is the whole thing about nature. It is it's a nasty thing. It is death and sex. And, and bee flies just are massive. When what you've got to see is watching bee flies copulating because there is nothing no. funnier have in I your garden. And, I don't think I have. have I don't think I've seen them, them copulating. Oh, you will. You I haven't got any bee fly porn. Okay, well, have a look. I'm going to leave you on this last yeah. little thing because usually it's the female flying along and in different species of fly, the genitalia are rotated to different positions to enable them to maybe copulate in a in a position that's, say, nicer for the yeah. male. One where he could pay attention. Not in the bee fly. <laughs> he, uh, in his copulatory linkage, he's basically facing oh, the opposite direction kitchens, to her. Yeah. And if she moves... And if she flies off, she flies off with him going, ah, flying on, uh, basically linked by his appendage, yeah. which is quite amusing to see. A bit like crane flies and um, actually some moths do it as well. But the first one that came to mind is poor foxes. Yes, it's kind of like a flying yeah. fox. That's basically, you get that, don't get that image no. in your head because that's a bit weird, but it's that sort of, And also yeah. people are suffering of bats as well, it's going to get very confusing. But the, the one story yeah. I heard about a fox was someone startled a mating pair and the female jumped a six-foot fence, dragging the male over by his <laughs> poor bloke. I think every yeah. man winces when they hear that story. <laughs> but but yeah. I think that, that's probably a good place to end <laughs> on that. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, so, Erica, Thanks where can that. people find you online? I'm on Twitter a mm. lot. Uh, I'm a fly girl NHM. Uh, trying to post as much about flies as possible or you can look at me up on Facebook talk to Eric McAllister or email me at work if you have any questions about uh, flies and whatever and also please do check out the Diptus Forum website it's a oh, brilliant yeah. community of lots of people willing to help at all times it's great and it's nothing like some of those other forums I can mention it's really it's really really no, helpful I only pop in and out and they're always very helpful even though I'm just a a hover, yeah. a hover, I was a hoverer then. <laughs> that could be a bad joke. Um, yeah, I just pop in and out, and they're always very helpful with my IDs of weird um, aquatic yeah, larvae. Absolutely. And it's really, really good because you do have people, as you say, with loads of different interests. Mm. And we have some larval specialists and, you know, bee fly specialists, all sorts of different specialists up and down the country. So it's, it's a really useful site and society. Well, as, as usual, I've said that's a good place to end about four times. But <laughs> this is the actual yes. time. Okay, we'll stop. So once again, Erica, thank you so much for coming on. Always a pleasure to talk to you. And it's, it's a pleasure to co-host with you, I can say now as well. Thank you. That was lovely. It was good yeah, fun. Always good fun to wet flies with you. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay safe and we'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the UK Wildlife Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then please do subscribe and leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast service you use. You can follow us on Twitter at UK Wildlife Pod, or one word. Or on Instagram at UK Wildlife Podcast. And like us on our Facebook page, UK Wildlife Podcast. And you can also post to the UK Wildlife Podcast community group. Or if you would like to share your wildlife news or sightings with us on Instagram or Twitter, then please tag us in the post and use the hashtag UK Wildlife Podcast. This episode was edited by Oscar Henderson. You can find him on Instagram at oscar.creates.